Please be seated. Thanks to the choir for a marvelous job. That is by far my favorite hymn of all time. I don't think I can listen to it or sing it without tears. It moves the heart just like many hymns do. Perhaps your favorite hymn does the same when you think about the kindness of our Lord Jesus Christ and his love for sinners like us. You can take your copy of the Word of God this morning and look with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13. We're going to look at verses 31 through 35 this morning. The parable, really two parables, the parable of the mustard seed and the parable of the leaven or the yeast. Two very, very short, very brief parables at the end of this section of Matthew's chapter 13, where there are many uh, parables, and Jesus winds it up with the most personal of parables, these two about the kingdom. And we might say this morning that God would demonstrate uh, through his church how a handful of believers, totally weak and inept in themselves, would, in his power, turn the world upside down. And the kingdom of heaven would grow and prosper in spite of Satan's opposition and would ultimately permeate and influence the entire world in Jesus' name. I suppose if you took these two parables and put them together, you would have a somewhat of a thesis like this. Although the kingdom of God is insignificant, and largely invisible to the world, its growth is undeniable and its transforming power is in the life of every believer. Let me say that again. Although the kingdom of God is insignificant and invisible to the world, its growth is undeniable and its transforming power is visible in the life of every believer. This passage teaches, essentially, two things, I believe. Number one, the growth and the blessing of the kingdom of God in verses 31 to 32. That is about the parable of the mustard seed. And then secondly, the transforming power of the kingdom of God. And that is in verse 33 and the parable about the leaven. So along with an outline of the message, join me in prayer. Let's ask God to bless our time of study together. Heavenly Father, we pray now that you would move in our midst, that your ancient word by your spirit would come to life in our hearts and lives. Lord, save those who are lost, sanctify those who are saved, and get all the glory for what you will do in our hearts and lives in this time of study of your word. And we make our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. First, I want you to notice this morning the growth and the blessing of the kingdom of God, and that is the significance of the parable of the mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven, though now very small and seemingly insignificant, would one day grow into a large body of believers. Jesus uses a mustard seed. Now, Jesus' purpose was proverbial, uh, not technical or scientific. There are many scholars that say, ah, Here's a problem with the Bible. You know, the mustard seed is not the smallest seed in the uh, garden there. And 
in the ancient Near East, the mustard seed was just used as uh, a symbol of that which is small, which is extremely small and insignificant. Ancient Jewish literature contains references to a drop of blood or a blemish on an animal that was, quote, the size of a mustard seed. And so you get the idea that Jesus is simply using a proverbial phrase of his day. And indeed, during uh, Jesus' earthly ministry, the kingdom was almost imperceptible, both because of its few citizens and because of its spiritual and invisible nature. Jesus himself said about the kingdom of God, it would not come with signs and be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there it is. For behold, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is in your midst, or to put it another way, is in you. The twelve disciples were ordinary, obscure men. You know, Christianity had a very small, insignificant beginning. The circumstances surrounding Jesus' birth were crude and unnoticeable. His family had to go for a census to Bethlehem. They had to register in an insignificant town. He was born in a cow stable because there was no room for him in the inn. Very small and crude and insignificant. Even the location of Jesus' life in Nazareth was considered backward and insignificant. That's why Andrew said in John chapter 1, can anything good come out of Nazareth? (laughs) It was just not on the map. You think about the 12 disciples. They were ordinary, obscure men. None of them came from Jewish uh, religious leadership or from economic or social aristocracy. They were few in number, uneducated, fearful, weak, slow to understand and believe, and they're generally unqualified to be leaders in any significant earthly kingdom. Even the group of believers in the book of Acts, chapter 1, numbered about 120 whenever the Lord Jesus was taken up to heaven with his ascension. In a church with a membership of 120, that's about our size. It's not considered large, especially in North America. Large or significant. But the point of all this is, is that, as is said in another place in Scripture, don't despise the day of small beginnings. You never know what the Lord's impact is with his kingdom. And though it may seem small in many places, wherever the kingdom of God is, wherever the kingdom of Christ is planted, It will have an impact. It will have an impact. And this little band of disciples would one day, well, let's put it this way, they wouldn't see, but 2,000 years later, the start of a little beginning has reached all around the globe. Christianity touches so many different areas and so many different lives. In fact, that's the other uh, part of this. Not only will it grow from something that begins very small, but it'll become a blessing to the nations. This whole idea of a tree, you'll notice in verse uh, 32, the latter part of it, it becomes a tree so the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. What does he mean by that? Well, the Lord Jesus made it clear that We believe from Ezekiel, that passage that we wrote, that the Lord God Almighty would take a little twig. When you thought about Israel, he would take his ancient people, Israel, as a little twig. And he would grow them to become a great tree where others would find shade and refuge. Where all the birds of the field would come. Can't help but think about Nebuchadnezzar's dream in Daniel chapter 4. You know, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream that uh, one day he was out and 
he became a tree, a large tree, and it showed his glory of the kingdom. And all these different people came because the Babylonian Empire would provide them with so many blessings in education and architecture and literature and economics. And so Jesus is borrowing that and demonstrating that Israel would be a great blessing to the nations. And though small and insignificant as a nation, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ came from the Israelites. So Christianity will be a blessing to the nations. And Christianity has been a blessing. Wherever Christians are obedient to the Lord and his word, there are blessings to those around the globe. It's also a picture of the expansion of God's kingdom to the Gentiles. All the birds of the air. You know, in the Old Testament, there were birds that were, well, for lack of a better term, unclean. Dirty birds, so to speak. They weren't, the Israelites weren't to mess with those birds. Clean birds only. And here the Lord says, birds of all kind come. And many scholars believe it's a picture of the nation's. Christianity has been a blessing to the world in countless ways over the past 2,000 years, in economics and legal and cultural and social ways, as well as spiritual and moral. What the church is to the world is a microcosm of what a believing spouse is to an unbelieving husband or wife. You know, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 7:14, just as the unbelieving partner is sanctified through the one who believes so, in a sense, the world offers a degree of the presence of God, the church of Jesus Christ, to those lost souls. And the unbelieving world, to a degree, is sanctified by the presence of the true church. That is, it's influenced. Even H.G. Wells, listen to this quote. Jesus Christ is easily the dominant figure in history. A historian without any theological bias whatsoever would find that he simply cannot portray the progress of humanity honestly without giving a foremost place to the penniless teacher from Nazareth. Jesus Christ raises the dignity of those around him. We think about women, we think about the weak and the ill. The first asylum for the blind was founded by Thaleus, a Christian monk. The first free dispensary was founded by Apollonius, a Christian merchant. The first hospital was founded by Fabiola, a Christian woman. Christianity was the first faith to be interested in the broken things of life for the elderly and for the rights of children. Christianity has always led the way. So you see, just like the mustard seed that started off small and yet grew to something that was far from small, but able to offer shade and good things to the world. That's what Christianity is. A couple of questions come to my mind for us personally. Is the kingdom of God present and growing reality in my life? Is the kingdom of God a present growing reality in my life? You see, this is a picture of unstoppable growth. The picture of the uh, mustard seed going into the ground and producing this huge tree that offers shade and asylum for various birds in the sky is a picture of the kingdom of God and its growth and development. It's exponential. And the question is, has that happened in my life? Is the kingdom of God a present and growing reality in my life? 
Put it another way, do I see the evidence of a forward, consistent, growing impact of the gospel of Jesus Christ in my heart and life? That's a very important question. Well, the kingdom of God is growing. And the kingdom of God is a blessing. But notice, secondly, and this is the most important, I believe, the transforming power of the kingdom of God. And it's in one little verse, verse 33. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three pecks of flour until it was all leavened. The whole parable, this little one-sentence parable, the whole meaning lies in the transforming power of the leaven or the yeast. The leaven changes the character of an entire batch of dough. Unleavened bread is like water biscuit, hard and dry and unappetizing and uninteresting. But when you bake bread with leaven, with yeast, it's soft and porous and spongy, and it's tasty and good to eat. And so Christ's point is, as the introduction of the leaven causes transformation in the dough, the coming of the kingdom of God causes transformation in life. I love 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10. Paul gathers together a whole list of the most terrible and awful sins or kinds of sinners. He says, some of you were fornicators and idolaters and adulterers and homosexuals and thieves and covetous and drunkards and revilers and swindlers. And he says, these will not inherit the kingdom of God. But he goes on in verse 11 to say, and such were some of you. Such were some of you. See, Christianity is not more good advice. It's not uh, psychological gymnastics. It is a change inside of the heart of the individual. Where the kingdom of God becomes visible because there's such a radical change. Such were some of you. We must never lose sight of the fact that Christianity is not simply a theory to live by. No, it is the power of the gospel in the lives of individuals. It is a true, deep-down belief that Jesus Christ is real, that he died as my substitute, and that my entire life is dedicated to him. And I want to live the rest of my life and enjoy his presence and his transforming power in every part of my being as the yeast goes to every last inch of that batch of dough. So the Lord Jesus Christ, through his Spirit, is to go to every nook and cranny of my life and change me as a child of God. That's got to happen. Anything less is not Christianity. It's just moralism. Christianity brings about humility. We recognize we're dirty sinners. And the only one who deserves glory is the Lord Jesus who died in our place to give us eternal life. Christianity doesn't make good men out of bad men. It transforms dirty sinners into children of God. And it does it from the inside out with this transforming power of the gospel. No one can deny that. Has your life been transformed by this power? You know, some think that the lesson of this parable is that the kingdom of God also works in an unseen manner. You can't see the yeast once it's in the dough. Anymore, you can see the 
mustard seed once it's in the ground. But what starts out so small and so unseen begins to grow and develop, and it brings something to the surface. That's what leaven does. And God works in unseen ways. Well, we've heard that saying, God works in mysterious ways. Sometimes we don't know what the Lord is doing. But we know from Scripture that whatever he does, it's to his glory and our benefit. So we never can lose. Others think the lesson of this parable is the very opposite of this, that so far from being unseen, the work of the kingdom can be easily seen or plainly seen as the working of the leaven is plain for all to see. The point is it's both, ladies and gentlemen. It's not either or. It's not one or the other. When Christianity came to Thessalonica in the book of Acts chapter 17, they, the Christians were accused as those people who have been turning the world upside down have come here also. How are they turning the world upside down? Not through political means, not through some military might. They were simply preaching the gospel. And lives were being transformed and changed. The kingdom is hidden and obscure in one sense. But it also has and continues to have an undeniable effect upon society as yeast to the flower. Let me challenge you with that this morning. Don't despise small beginnings. What's going on in your life? Even something small as you begin your walk with Christ is significant. When you pray and seek God's face, when you offer prayers in the evening for your children or other family members, when you pray for those affected by a hurricane, those prayers are heard by the Lord. And God's kingdom continues to grow and move as we participate in obedience to his commands. You probably don't know the names of Wayne and Patty Judge. They both worked as school teachers in Linden, California. They didn't make much money. But these two put their money together and they thought they would adopt a child. And they did. A little biracial baby who was an orphan had no place to go. But little uh, did they know that this little tiny baby would grow up to be a six foot seven, 282 pound slugger for the New York Yankees, Aaron Judge, who's about to break a historic record for the most home runs in a season, or at least he tied it with Roger Maris. The point is, whenever you see something that tiny and that small, you never know what it's going to be like. And that is true of the impact of the gospel in your life, and it's true of your impact for the gospel in the lives of someone else. Don't despise small beginnings. And when you think about the yeast, remember, yeast makes things rise. You can have that lump of dough, and when you add that yeast, it makes it rise. And that is something that Christianity has been doing for human beings for centuries. Jesus raised the status of women more than anyone in human history from being simply property and slaves. Jesus raised the status of the weak and the ill. You know, in Sparta, children were uh, born, uh, they were submitted to examiners. And if they were fit, they were allowed to live. If they were uh, weakly or deformed or handicapped, they were exposed to death on the mountainside. The Roman Empire was that way. And the Christians were the ones who raised the status and the rights of the weak and the ill and the elderly. Cato, the Roman writer of architecture or agriculture, excuse me, gives evidence to anyone who is taking over a farm. 
He says, look over the livestock and hold a sale. Sell your oil if the price is satisfactory. Sell the surplus of your wine and grain. Sell worn-out oxen and blemished cattle, blemished sheep, wool, hides, an old wagon, old tools, a sickly slave, and whatever else is superfluous. The old, whose days of work are done, were fit for nothing else than to be discarded on the rubbish heaps of life. And yet Christianity, impacting the Roman Empire, gave elderly a status and took care of its elderly, just like it took care of Christians or children. Christians were the first to build orphanages in the ancient society. And so, just like leaven or yeast raises that lump of dough to life, so also Christianity raises a human being, their status, their dignity, by giving them eternal life. One last thing to notice about these parables is the presence of the king. Look at verses 34 and 35 with me. This is the conclusion. All these things Jesus spoke to the crowds in parables, and he did not speak to them without parables. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the foundation of the world. These final words are shocking as the Lord Jesus literally and immediately fulfills the prophetic word of Isaiah. See, the point is that the kingdom of God is not some sort of obscure uh, spiritual reality in the future, pie in the sky. No, it is a life-changing and tangible reality right now. Jesus is here fulfilling what the prophet Isaiah said. Immediately, tangibly, and in reality. As the Lord God Almighty was engaged in making his people of old, that is Israel, a great tree from a tiny sprig in Ezekiel 17, so also our Lord Jesus Christ is presently building and growing his church and blessing countless millions through it. Christ our King is coming back for his church. And when he returns, the reality of what we read this morning in Revelation eleven fifteen will be realized. All the kingdoms of the world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he will reign forever and ever. See, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. It's like yeast. It may start off small and it may seem insignificant. But when it's all over, it's the most important thing there is. And nothing else will be left before it. Is that true in your heart? Is the kingdom of God a piece of you? Is Christ growing inside of you? Are you growing as a believer? Let's ask God to bless us with these words this morning. Lord, I pray that just like the mustard seed, just like the yeast, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ, the gospel of the Lord Jesus will grow and bear fruit upward and outward, and that, Lord, you would expand in our lives that kingdom that we might demonstrate it to the nations. Lord, bless us to that end. Thank you for such a great salvation and your blood shed on Calvary for our sins. Thank you, Lord, for your communion table, that as we see you fulfilling the words of Isaiah in this passage, so also we can truly eat and drink with you spiritually in this time of worship. Lord, bless us all with these words today, with your word, 
And we'll give you the praise and glory for all that you will do in our lives. And we make our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.